Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold, but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... What? Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. Hey, I'm Alex Garrett, and some news today. I have rebranded the YouTube side of things, Alex Garrett Productions, and this will be the first interview since that rebrand. And on the Sports Hour side, glad to welcome in someone who did this, Kane Ruiz, remember, did this at the same usual All-Star game in Long Island about a month ago. That one's launching the left field, and it will be gone! A solo homer, a leadoff home run for Kane Ruiz in the top of the first on the left field line. And his Long Island Devil Rays have won the Stan Usual Division I World Series, if you will, championship, if you will. And uh, Kane, join me for an edition of Alex Garrett Podcasting and Alex Garrett Productions. Kane, you are not only part of the Long Island Devil Rays. At the time, you guys were, what, 21-1 and one or something of that effect? And then you went on to win yeah. the ring. And um, congrats on winning Sam Usual Division One Baseball. Thank you, man. It, it, was, it was a ride this whole season. Every game was ecstatic, you know? I'll get into why I'm wearing my Queens College hat in a minute, but let's focus on this summer that was. I mean, 21 and 1 at the break. How'd you guys get there to begin with? Uh, you know what was really cool was that everybody showed up. You know, there was there was never a shortage of guys. We would show up and, you know, have maybe 15 guys deep. Pitching was A1, bats always showed up. And like if if one was, you know, not on point. Then we always back ourselves. Up. Defense was up, offense was on point, you know, and stuff like that. We always picked each other up. It was just solid. You know, so, it's yeah, funny you say that because I feel like people, when they, they see these leagues, are like, well, how committed are they? Because obviously, you guys are not kids. You got lives. You're adult. You're doing, you're doing the adulting thing, right? So to have that commitment on that team must have felt really special all year through. Yes, absolutely, because that, that is that is a great point. Like, a lot of these times you'll see teams where it's like, oh, we can only get five guys to show up tonight, game's canceled, you know. Nobody could show up, but our guys, you know, we solid. Even even if some guys were busy, a lot of other guys were ready to, to show up. So it was awesome. Great team now, atmosphere. Who was, in that, who was in that division, so to speak? I mean, is Selden in there? Who, break it down for us. So, yes, there was the Oilers. <clears throat> who we played in the championship. We played the um, the Falcons in the in the semis. And a lot of the times, I know, I know we played the Vendetta. I know we played the Stingers. And I kind of just lose track. A lot of the times, we just show up, you know, show up to play baseball. But those are definitely four teams I remember. All right. So I remember that there were a few Long Island Devil Rays. Isn't there like an East-West, you know, something like that? Yes, yeah. Chris, Chris is running a like a really solid organization. We had three teams this year. We had, um, if I'm not mistaken, the D2 East and the D2 West, and then we had the D1 squad. And I, I'm not sure if it was the East or the West, but one of them actually made it to the chip for the D2 series. Cool. And uh, unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't get to take that one. But uh, I mean, it, it just shows that we have a lot of guys that are through and through solid club, solid organization. Does division change his recruiting? Like, how does that work? Um, to be honest, I'm not sure. That's probably a question for Chris. But I know that it started with, like, he just is a monster recruiter. He just gets everybody. And uh, and just, I think, I, I'm not sure if this is how it happened, but he probably had so many guys that he was like, let's just make more expand and just, that's what it seems like when we got now three. Who knows? Maybe we'll grow to more squads. It'll be crazy. Right. 
Yeah, it sounds okay. So where did you guys win? Just wh- where did you guys win this championship? At Garden City Community Park. Yeah. Okay. And that's kind of been your home the whole season or? So yes, that's where we played Monday through Friday, always have been there. Um, maybe like give or take one game. But I know the weekends we would like switch up. Sometimes we play in in in, uh, in Sheldon at the high school, I think Newfield High School. But um for the most part, Garden City Community Park, a lot of our games are played there. All right. I'd rather ask you about um, your performance. This uh, Obviously, you killed it in the uh, All-Star game with the leadoff homer, but what about your performance the rest of the way? What was that like, uh, and, and how did you guys maintain after the break? Um, as far as my personal performance, I'm not exactly sure how I did. I kind of felt like I didn't stay on par with my first half. But uh, thankfully enough, you know, the team just kept in stride and we just kept winning. I think we only, we only lost one other game this year, and that was actually the first game of the semis against the Falcons. So we actually had our back against the wall after going 21 and, and or oh. 25 and 1. And um, thank goodness we were able to come back and win two, uh, win or go home, basically. And... Yeah, it was just after that, we stayed hot. After the All-Star break, we just kept winning, got out to the playoffs, lost the first one, but then just went on the street and won the next four. I think the outside world, these pro-am, however you want to say, baseball leagues are like, why would I join it? But there is a benefit to joining it, even if you're a little older, right? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, even we had a, a, a player, a pitcher, Ray Weber, where okay. he actually got picked up by the MLB Draft League. So he's pitching for Trenton Thunder right now. A Yankee affiliate, by the way. What happened? A Yankee affiliate, by the way. Yeah, they used to be the double double A team. Now I think it's the Somerset Patriots. So, but I'm pretty sure that they're associated with them somehow. But yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that's right. Somerset did did become like D two the double A for them. Anyhow, Mm -hmm. um, let's talk about. Again, this league, as you say, it can happen. Anybody can be picked up. But having been just through college, right, I believe you graduated, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Are you becoming a mentor on that team for the kids that are a little younger? I mean, there are some young kids on that Devil Ray team, right? Yes, yeah. We have a couple guys that I think we're, we're still in college. But, um, yeah, it's far, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I understand your question, though. Like, uh, do you feel like you're becoming a leader on that team for the younger guys having been through the college already? And and you went to Mercy too, so. Yeah, I went to Mercy. Um, as far as the leader, I don't know. I just uh, I just show up. We're all kind of like good buddies, you know. And um, I mean, everybody. A lot of our guys went to college, graduated college, great ball players too. So, I mean, definitely, I would say the older guys give some insight on like some of the college like for guys going to the college, but some of the times too, they go through their own experiences. Every college experience is individual, I'd say. So for sure, it's, it's kind of like a process, you know, even though we're the older guys on the team, we're still young living and learning. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you just graduated, so you're still only 22, 23, right? No, no, I'm 25. I'm an older guy. For sure. 25, geez, <laughs> I thought you were younger. That's great. Um, and playing obviously makes you feel young, but and by the way, I got to just say this. I love that you guys kept the Devil Ray look. I, I think we all kind of miss it. You know, they try and replicate it down in Tampa now. as like a nostalgia thing, but you guys pull it off really well. I just got to say that. <laughs> Thank you. This is all Chris. Chris designs. He comes up with the, the nice hot pink and the, and the light blue combination. It's been a thing for the past couple of years. We just keep like... Uh, Ironically, when I the Devil you- Rays were the Devil Rays, they were in the champions it's kind of funny that you guys have like taken it like yeah we'll win for you guys you know like (laughs) exactly right they couldn't do it down in tampa so we did it here well exactly so let's talk about um transitioning i mean after college (laughs) obviously you know you want to play ball so was sam usual like the first league you went to like it's sort of like well if it wasn't for sam usual i don't know were you looking at other leagues as well or was this the one because you had connections here or so i never actually looked into men's leagues i know that once covid hit in 2020 and i had come back from school for the summer i technically graduated um with my bachelor well 
no quotes, I graduated with my bachelor's and um, was looking for another opportunity to play, which is how I ended up getting to Mercy. But that summer is when Chris uh, actually DM'd me. He was like, hey, um, are you looking to play? So I said, sure, why not? I want to stay fresh because I, I look to, um, to continuing my uh, collegiate career. And so I actually joined Chris's team back in 2020. And I didn't know it was Stan Musial. I didn't, I didn't really give much thought to men's league. I just was looking for reps to stay fresh for college. And it worked, you know, and I just stayed with Chris since. And it's been it's been a ride, you know. I, I I remember the first thing I said after we won the chip. I said, "Devil Devil Ray's finally got a chip," you know. After three years, we finally got it. Let me ask about that. So obviously, the team itself has been a process. You're you're saying basically for the last few years. So, did you guys did you see this happening eventually? A couple of years ago, like was there a building going on here? Um, I don't think there was much of a building. I just kind of expected us to win every year. You know, it's just that you know. We just fell short the first couple of times, and this year we, we weren't going to let that happen. So we finally cashed in. Even last year, I think we, we lost on the last game of the season in the chip. So, um, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it was to the, the, the Falcons. So we were able to beat them again in the, in the semis and uh, kind of get our advantage, I guess you could say. But, yeah, we were always a squad. It was never like a building process. We always were, were pretty solid. And this year, I guess all the all the pieces just put together. You know, for a lot of these cool. guys, playing at at Duck Stadium is always a treat. Is always like a thrill, no matter how many times you do it. There's something about it. But you guys hit a home run there, so talk about that for a moment. You didn't expect that, did you? No, I can't say I did. Um, it was definitely uh, I, that's something I remember for the rest of my life. It's cool. Even if I'm talking to my buddies, he's like, let's go to a Ducks game. I say, yeah, I hit a home run there, you know. But um, I, I've been blessed. I was able to play at Duck Stadium when I was younger, uh, around like 14, 15, in, in like one of those summer league all-star games. And just to be able to come back and get that opportunity. Again, I wasn't even trying for it either. I had a 2-0 count. I was looking for something, you know, fastball to drive right center. And uh, I just got my barrel out a little earlier and, and was able to hit it over the fence. So that was but definitely a moment I'll remember for forever. And, and I, was, I hope was, Jeter doesn't mind me saying this. It was Jeter-esque. How many World Series, how many home runs uh, did he do for leadoffs in the All-Star game even? You know what I mean? Like that was a Jeter-esque moment right there. That's awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah, no, he, he's a stud too. I love watching. Uh, I'm starting to watch the captain, the documentary. Yeah. I've only gotten like three episodes in. Have you checked it out? I, you know what, I've been busy doing morning radio and everything, so it's been not easy to catch up. But I want to ask you this because you just brought another question. Like, obviously, you guys have a life outside the diamond, but you want to bring more on more of your guys here to this podcast. Why? Because they have a baseball story within themselves, don't they? Oh, of course, yes. Especially as a, as a team, you know, I, I have my own interpretation of the season and a bunch of guys I know definitely had different feelings on the championship you know I felt great some guys maybe it was their first year on the squad and um, they'll have a different piece to say and also I, I just think that the world of baseball is is amazing because it's 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 a huge world so many teams so many, but everybody knows everybody it's all a family it's super connected you know? is it not it's so connected exactly yeah, so it's like you, you could talk to one of our guys on the team and he'll be like, man, I was playing one time with him. And, oh, I know that guy, you know? Well, especially because Long Island just, baseball is so small. It's unbelievable, the small world. Uh, in fact, one of my guys from Queens College played in one of the games, Lou Antos. And I'm like, wait a minute, I announced Lou at Queens College, you know? So yeah. it's kind of like, and then when I brought that up to you, you're like, yeah, well, I played at Mercy. I'm like, oh, you're in the ECC too. So it's like, whoa, what a small world. And, exactly. you know, to, to all the leaders that put all this together every year, not only Jimmy Rose and Bob Depot and, of course, Bob Dranoff at the ECC. I mean, we get a lot of ears ringing today. You know, there's so many connections. Yeah, there is. And, and it just it, it all comes full circle, you know. Uh, you've gotten to know Jimmy over the last few years. He's been a guy that that does this every year. What a what a dude. Right. He's He's the man. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy's all around. I love it. I actually got to to, to for a game with him one time, and that was that was a cool experience too. 
played at Eisenhower. It was a fun game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Eisenhower, I haven't seen a game out there yet. So the whole gag is that I've always done the All-Star game. I've never seen um, – I've never seen an actual regular season game. I've got to change that next year, though. Oh, really? I've always for made like, the, the trek out to ball, to the ballpark, and then after that, it kind of, like, died out for me because I went on back to my regular radio life, you know? So. Yeah. Maybe you can come check out a game and do a podcast live at the game. Would love to do that. Now, now, are you guys going to play again this summer, or is it done? Like, what does a championship mean in the same usual world? Does that mean – you reboot in a couple weeks, or is that now till next year or the fall? So I know that the summer season is over. There's no more uh, coming together to play for the summer. However, we have been talking, even the night of the championship, we were talking about when are we going to get together to play again. And there was talks about a lot of fall, fall work, like scrimmages. Maybe we might even see Jimmy's team in a scrimmage or so. Um, I, I know we were talking about potentially getting a team together to go down to the tournament. There's a tournament in Florida, and, uh, you know, we, we just want to keep our, our winning streak alive. You know, we won one chip. Let's see if we can get another one. That's true. And that's, I mean, after winning one, I'm sure it's like, well, now let's do it again, right? So there's that motivation. Exactly. We're, we're all feeling good. You know, we kind of we kind of just caught that hot streak at the end. We, were, we won four straight, you know, to, to them sweeping the chip, and we want to see just keep it going. We know we have a solid group of guys. And uh, we kind of want to keep it together for as long as we can, see how that goes, you know? All right. I want to know more about you, though, because obviously when you get in this league, you're not a rookie at this, meaning you've been around for probably since Little League, right? So talk about that for a minute. Um, yeah, so I actually started in Little League when I was four years old. And um, just just kind of stayed around the game till around, like, fifth grade, sixth grade, and then that's when I started to get the like the hunger and passion for it, and uh, I turned it up. Got to middle school, um, played JV varsity, and realized that I could actually do something with baseball. That's when I started looking for schools, and I actually was blessed to to be able to have the opportunity to play college baseball at four different schools. So that was that was rather unique. And um, what were the four? I know Mercy. Tell us the other three. So out of high school, I had committed to Erskine College in Due West, South Carolina, which at the time in 2015, they were the number three ranked Division II school in the nation. So that was really cool. Uh, however, it wasn't the best fit for me. I got to experience what it was like to be a part of like a factory right there. It was really cool. A lot of baseball, down south baseball is a different beast. And um, uh, There's a field every was, block, I feel like, in the south, right? I mean, come on now. It was that and also – our field, when we had gotten there, it was like a pristine dirt field, almost like almost as pure as turf. And when we got there, they were redoing it to get it laser graded, it's called. So make sure it was perfectly flat. It was like a $10,000 process. We couldn't even play on the field for like a month. Whoa. But uh, that was really nice too, just playing on that field. Big outfield, a lot of space to run and hit the ball. And, um, but yeah, it just, it just wasn't the best fit for me. So I decided to use my red shirt and I was fortunate enough to have a friend at a JUCO upstate called Sullivan County. And he said, Hey, if you want I can reach out to my coach. And I kind of just took a shot in the dark, went to the workout. The coach loved me, had very successful seasons there. Uh, my first year I hit 360 with one home run. And then the next year I actually, my sophomore year, I hit 410 with one home run. I won MVP honors. It was, it was the whole, the whole season. What was the school name again? Remind, tell us again when the school name. Sullivan County Community College. Okay. Two hours north of the city. And um, that was just, that was just a great experience. So I loved it. Now, did you hit the gym for that? Or how did you, how did you practice to get from that to four? From, I mean, from 360 to 410, you're no slaps to begin with, but how did you get from that moment to get to 410? Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know. It's funny because although I had a great personal season, my sophomore year, I felt that the freshman season was better because, you know, our whole lineup, I think one through seven was hitting over 350 and we just won a lot of games. 
uh, I felt like I was really doing what the team needed that year. And in the sophomore season, I just came ready to play. And um, I really got, you know, a lot of good pitches to hit that year. I know I started off very hot down south. And then when we came back, I actually had a little injury. So I had a, I was sidelined for like a week. But um, when I came back, it kind of never cooled down. It's just that we didn't really win as much. I think we only won like six games that year. So it, although I had a great season, it wasn't very successful because it was tough to just show up to the field every day with that record, mm. you know? Well, let but, me say um, that I will say Kane Ruiz, uh, his his Instagram is what, Kane Ruiz Baseball? Give that in a second. But when he went up to the booth, he was like, yeah, I heard you made a call about the home run. I said, I happen to have that. And then as I talked to you, you weren't about the home run at all. You were like focused on the team. So I feel like through your years, it's always been the team oriented, not so much the personal success. Despite what the Instagram username says, which is Craig Kane Ruiz Baseball, it's more that you love the game, not so much your own, I don't know, it's not about your own performance 99% of the time, I feel. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I've noticed in, in the game is that if, if you just worry about yourself, you know, one, it doesn't help you become a better teammate. You know, you want to have a good teammate so you can have a solid group of guys around you. If you start to have a team where everybody's just focused on themselves, then all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, why would I want to work with this guy? And then the chemistry falls off. And then if you don't win, you can have a great season and it's just not as invigorating, you know? You, you want to win with your guys, with your boys, with your brothers, you know? If you go up and say, yeah, I'm having good. Oh, well, we lost. All right, that's cool. We lost, but I went three for three today. I went four for four today. No, you know, you still have to do your part to contribute to the team because at the end of the day, Whatever you do, as long as you're helping the team win, it's going to feel great, right? We won the chip, and, like, I went 0 for 3 in the championship game, but I was celebrating just as hard. Of course. Because that's what I it is. Get to make, and now, now, what position are you in the field? Center field. So yeah. did you make a lot of – did your defense do well that night, or did you get many chances out there, or what? We had a decent amount of opportunities. Definitely the play of the game has to be the last out. Because oh, it was, it got to a nail biter. We were up around, I think it was 2-0 for like the whole game. And then come the bottom of the seventh, because they were the home team. And we had first and second, 2-1 with two outs. Oh. And it was a lefty up. And our pitcher, Ariel Tavares, was pitching. And he gave a pretty, pretty solid contact down the right field line on the ground in our first baseman, Ryan Brewer, full body died. As it was one of those moments where as soon as contact was made, your heart sank because the time runs on second and that ball is smoked down the line. They could probably send the bat guy from first if they have enough time. And we might have to push it to a game three where our backs are again against the wall. The ball. And yeah, exactly. But I remember because I saw Ryan dive and the first, my first reaction was look down the line, let's pick up this ball. But then I see him get up and he's sprinting to the bag. And I'm like, he caught it. It was ridiculous. With the game on the line, that's ice cold right there. It was, it was sick. So that was, that was definitely the defense that saved the game right there. Other than that, I can't, I can't seem to remember any. It was a tight game, 2-1. You know, it wasn't really a lot of opportunities. So, but that play came up big. You know, you guys carried a lot at the All-Star game. I mean, you have like five or six guys playing the All-Star game. But I thought Chris did a good job managing the other teams. And why I say that is because sometimes there are a lot of feelings involved with these All-Star games. Can we just admit that? Like, why are you playing me, him, but not me? And, and I thought Chris balanced it out. But to carry a few of those guys on your team with you to the All-Star game must have been feeling pretty good. Yeah, it, it was funny because I remember it, like, warming up. I was like, wow, we have enough guys to, like, put our own squad out there. And uh, But, yeah, no, Chris definitely, he knows what he's doing. He, he could be pro. Somebody somebody could come to our game and scout him for the league, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's definitely a good balance. Um, everybody got – I think everybody got an equal opportunity, an equal burn. And uh, it's really for an experience, you know, just to say you got to play on Duck Stadium, check sure. it out, especially squad. You mentioned the league a couple of times. Is that still a goal of yours to be up in the show? 
I would love to, you know, um, I try and stay fresh. Even this year, I had a couple of, um, try, I went to the, the Pioneer workouts, Atlantic League workouts, even the Ducks. You know, I came up short, but it's still a drive. You know, I want to stay fresh, stay on point, and hopefully get an opportunity somewhere. If I could maybe even just sign like an indie contract, go somewhere just to get an opportunity. Uh, keeping the dream alive, you know. Are you a Long Island kid at heart? Like, are you a Long Island kid through and through, or were you born in the city? Where? What? What's your background? No, I was I was born on Long Island, born and raised in Long Island, Nassau County. Um, don't really. I mean, I've gone to the city and stuff like that, but for the closest I've been to it, I guess Sullivan County. A lot of kids are from the city, and Mercy College is just north of the city. So, um, but are definitely you, New York as a whole. And, are you a multi-sport athlete? Like, have you played other sports also? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I always played sports growing up. Uh, that was my favorite thing to do, whether it was baseball. I, actually, ironically enough, baseball wasn't even my favorite sport for a long time. My favorite sport to play was basketball. Okay. And I was really good. But, you know, with my height, there wasn't a, a big future in that. So I kind of looked, looked realistically toward, more towards baseball. But basketball, um, you know, sometimes like, like not flag football, but like, you know, football, like backyard football with your friends at the field or something. Uh-huh. And uh, in high school, actually a, a varsity volleyball player. I was a libero for the squad. I'm and glad we're was, done with that. This. Was, that had been fun. And, and men's volleyball, I don't know how into, I know women's volleyball is very intense, but I've never really, we didn't really have men's at, at Queens College, so I didn't really get a chance to see that, but. Yeah, it's funny because actually in, in middle school, um, I was always against volleyball. I was like, why would I join volleyball? I don't want to join volleyball. But then I figured, you know, it gives me something to do for the wintertime. And I joined it, and it just kind of came to me naturally. Uh, I ended up, I think, playing four years of varsity and just had a, a phenomenal experience. Our senior year, we actually took our team 16-0 and into the playoffs. Wow. First time in school history. And... That's that's a sport where if like if I was given the opportunity to play like at a higher level, like even in college, which I was actually speaking to, I think Mount Mount St. Vincent or St. Sure. Vincent, Mount Vincent. Yeah. And um, but that was to play volleyball in college. I was looking for baseball. But it was definitely a great ride. I'm so glad we're talking about this because I know that also, you know, don't you help kids out in, in the camps and all this stuff now? Because I know that you mentioned that yesterday you were doing that. So. Um, uh, in the, as they're getting younger, they're only told to do one sport now. Am I wrong? I feel like the multi-sport aspect is being thrown out the window and the specialist. And I think that's bad for the kids. Uh, you may be able to weigh in on this more because you're watching them grow up now. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that because I'm coaching these kids and you hear it. Like even I was speaking to a couple kids that were friends with the, the massive people, literally team that just made the world series. Sure. And they were saying, yeah, those are the kids that, that had their sports picked out for them when they were five. And I'm thinking, like, that's great that they're, they're solid and sticking with it, but you had your sport picked out for you. Now, what if that kid didn't like baseball? And I'm not saying it's like, I think it's a great sport to get into. I love baseball, but it is not for every kid, and that's a fact. I work with five- and six-year-olds at these camps, and a lot of the times you hear, oh, I don't want to be, well, why not, bud? Oh, because I don't even like baseball. But then why did you play for the camp? Oh, because my dad wanted me to play. My mom wanted me to play. And it's like, well, you know, that maybe is a conversation. Obviously, they, they're not going to sit down and have a heart-to-heart. But it, it's something that, that I feel is a little – it's too much on the kids where you're forcing them to play a sport where they don't even like it yet, and that might even drive them away from the sport. And then you get you the know? parents involved at these little league games. I mean, look. Um, a lot of these games are not easy for officials now. Umpires don't want to do this anymore because they see the flack, the the, the crap they're getting from the, the families, and it's just ridiculous to me. It is, you know, it, it's it's the worst thing when you have like coach mom or coach dad on the sidelines. You know, that's why when I remember growing up, when we would play, there was always the rules like no parents in the dugout. You know, because it's just for the baseball team, for the coaches, we get our stuff done. You know, and if, and if we have something to say to the umpire, our coaches will handle it. You know, we weren't even allowed to talk back, you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's just certain of like, all right, you know, this is this is your role. This is your position. As you get older, you get to see more and more of the game, which is where you be 
able to be more vocal. But, you know, I think that especially for the younger ages, as long as they're passionate about it, let their coaches mold them in a way. Now, if their coaches, you know, have a different view, then that could be worked around as well. But, you know, I just feel like it, 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 it shouldn't be pressured on the kids. I am so sense. glad you mentioned Matt Spiegel because you are honestly the first baseball player um, on Long Island to talk to since all of this has gone down. I believe they play now Hawaii in the Little League World Series. So, you know, Massapequa uh, and just Long Island Little League, that's a big moment. Now, do you have any connections to them? Do you, did you uh, – any connection to them? Even as a kid, did you have any connects with, the, with that whole team there? So I, I never – I know we had played for – I had played for uh, the Long Island – not the Long Island, but like the Valley Stream tournament team. And uh, we never made it past, I think, like just the local tournaments – but um, as far as Massapequa, uh, where I work at it in Max Effort, we have coached some of those kids. You know, I can't tell you like the exact name. I know we've worked with Massapequa through and through. I think like from eight to fourteen U. So I'm definitely sure we've crossed paths with some of those kids going up there, and and it's awesome to be involved in that process. You know, and say like, hey, you know, we we kind of helped. But um, yeah, no, I remember them being a solid group of kids, a bunch of like good athletes you know everybody could play a lot of different positions and stuff like that well i gotta ask you this then um the the uh the the moment that everybody talks about now is how this kid got hit in the head you know from you know one of the play and then he wins and hugs the pitcher after he was crying we don't see that sportsmanship even in little league anymore so as a baseball enthusiast that must have made you feel some sort of way I mean, yeah, it's definitely showing good sportsmanship, you know, especially at the younger age where they're not sure. It almost seems like every time you get hit by a pitch, it's intentional, you know. But um, it's definitely good to see that, you know, they care and they're not trying to, I guess, hurt each other, which you mm-hmm. hope not. You know, you want to say, all right, he hit a home run off me last time. I'm going to kill him now <laughs> at a young age, you know. But, and even as, as where you are now, I'm sure that watching the major leagues, not – there's been so many brawls in the majors this year, like especially early on. Where did that come from? Like even just a tag out of third base between Beckham and, and Donaldson. It's like, I don't remember baseball like this. So maybe you have some insight as to why it's getting the way it is. It seems like every little thing becomes a brawl now. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think some players just have a mindset where it's like, oh, you can't do anything to me. I'm untouchable. But at the same time, I, I also don't really mind LeBron so much because it shows me that there's a, a certain level of, like, heated passion for the game, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, like, for example, I'm not a fan of, like, throwing at, especially when pe- pitchers throw at players' heads at right. the big league level because they're throwing 100 miles per hour. That could do some damage, you know? But, um I mean, definitely when it gets heated and stuff like that, I kind of don't mind it because it shows, you know, they're ready to play. They want to defend their team and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, and also, it's and I will not excuse Donaldson for saying Jackie. I thought I know that I know that Beckham said it, which I thought was stupid to begin with. But for Josh Donaldson to add to that flame, just stay out of it. You know what I mean? That's kind of how I feel about that whole thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, like all the details on that, but. Um, I mean, whatever it is, they've, they've crossed paths since, right? It's cooled down. Since. I mean, they, they since the brawl in the stadium, I mean, that's been the last time they saw each other because they didn't play after that, I don't think. But anyway, uh, I, I wanted to know your thoughts, and that's kind of my segue into the major leagues, because you guys stayed hot after the break, and the Yankees, who get paid millions more than any of you, have just completely – I don't know people say they shot their load in the beginning of the year. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it was the trade deadline, but again, as someone who's a baseball fan and follows all of this, why? How are they three and seven their last 10, the last 20 weeks, it feels like? So what is going on? Um, You know, I'm not really too worried, I'll tell you. And it's weird to say because they have been playing horrible baseball, but the pace that they were on at the beginning of the season was historical. They, you're talking about if they kept that pace, they would have gone down as the best statistical you know, team in history, maybe even talent-wise as well. You never know because they would have been projected. But to, to expect them to keep that pace was a little, you know, 
was high hopes right there. So the fact that they're cooling down now, I'd much rather see because you're not going to tell me that that team is going to stay cool for the rest of the season. You know that they have a pretty good chance at the playoffs and that when they do get hot, I'd rather see them get hot, you know, in October than right. stay hot after the All-Star break and crash in September and October. This fire, whoever nonsense, doesn't make any sense to me. You know why? Because Ben Intendi just is a little cold right now. I mean, he's new to New York. I don't want him to see – I don't want him to get Gallo syndrome. I'm a little worried about that. But I'm more I'm more concerned that all these fans are like, fire, boom, fire. You know what? They don't have Stanton right now. They they just lost Holmes. And obviously, if that Holmes thing was addressed earlier, I think they would have made changes very early on when he started to struggle. I mean, he blew a couple saves here. But for the most part, this isn't managerial. I, I don't even think it's cash, but I think it's just they're going through it. They're And you know, as a baseball player, when you're in a slump, you're going to swing at every freaking thing possible. And that's what's happening with this team, is it not? Yeah, I, I definitely say the hitting is not there. Um, I don't. I wasn't too worried about even when Holmes was blowing it too because he was just getting beat, you know. And some days you just don't have your stuff, you know. I'd, I'd rather see you give up a bomb before you walk the house. I was at the game the other day when um, when Donaldson hit the grand slam, the walk off. I was there that night and, too. I left a little earlier, but I was there that night. Oh, you left early? Oh no! Yeah. Oh, I I stayed through the rain delay and everything. That was that was some game. But do you, were you there when Chapman was put into the game? No, I. So what happened was I had an interview to do the next day very early, so I had to go home and and whatnot. But uh, I I know I saw it on TV, and again, Chapman is that's just a fluke. I don't know. I feel like he's back a little bit from what we've seen before that performance. He's not been terrible this time around, so I give him another chance. The, the problem with, with Chapman is how I was saying when Holmes is just getting beat, I feel like he's not even competing. And when he was just when coming out, the Yankee, Yankee fans were booing him, even after he's been decent lately. You know, they were booing him. Then he started to fall apart. And then when he gave up the, the two out, two strike, it was an 0-2 pitch. I know. You know, everybody was just like, get rid of him. I didn't hear one positive thing. And I've never heard... A, a, a fan base so unanimous towards the hatred of one player, especially being their home team, you know, that was just amazing. But it shows just like, you know, he's had many opportunities and and, and it hasn't been just like recent. It's been throughout a period of years. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because if you look at him, he doesn't throw 105 like he used to, but he could dial it up to 101. You he know? still looks he like a bull, throw- okay? He, he looks like a bull out there that's ready to just fire it in any minute and I think that's why we're all confused it's like he looks ready to go so what's happening mm. it's a mechanics thing it's an aging thing I think it's because he's been around a long time remember he closed the world series I think for the for the Cubs I mean people forget about that but he was Rizzo's teammate back in Chicago he was he induced the ground ball to third which we all know is historical at this point Brian to Rizzo that was it I mean I get excited for the most part mm-hmm. Because here's why I get excited. Because my dad's a Cub fan, so reliving all that is just like history. <laughs> and the fact Rizzo still got it. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why the Cubs just dissipated like that. I don't think it was just mad, and I think it was a whole host of things. But anyway, he was effective, and I want to have faith that he can be. But let's switch Burroughs for a minute because the other side of town also happens to be in first place. Also happens to be lighting up every time Narcos played for Eddie Diaz. The question is, can they get it to him? And the last few games, they haven't been able to. I guess last night was a blowout against Philly, which is expected. They should be beating Philly right now. But with the Braves, of course, they're not going to go away. You know, four out of five was ridiculous. I don't know how they pulled that off. And Diaz, they get two saves. But Atlanta home turf is different, firstly. Secondly, uh, you know, Scherzer, DeGrom, you want to win both those games. At least they win one. They didn't get swept out of Atlanta. I'm not terribly concerned, but but what do you think? I mean, could the Braves come back? They're world champions. We shouldn't discount them at all. I, I 100% agree with you. Like, I, I'm a Yankees fan, but I love, I love the Mets too. I love, like, any New York team. But, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of faith in them. 
just because of their history. They're, they're, they're known for blowing their And Atlanta is a solid ball club. You know, they, they, even when as hot as the Mets were, Atlanta was never really too far behind. I'm not saying I expect it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Mets actually don't even win the division. I, I kind of expect almost Atlanta to come back, make a fight for that, and push the Mets into a wild card spot. Not taking anything away from them. They are a very talented club, and they actually have a better record than the than the Yankees right now. But I, I would, I'd be surprised if they were able to keep this pace throughout the rest of the season. I mean, look, I think it's I I I think the Yankees kind of have this. I think the Yankees kind of have this, but I don't know. The Mets are just again they have the pieces, but can they stay healthy? That's the other thing about this. Can Degrom and Scherzer be? I'd say they seem fragile, but they do seem a little bit. Remember, Scherzer played through anything in Washington. Okay, so when he comes out and says, "Oh, well, I have a hamstring thing, I can't play," or "I have a knee thing," it's like you played through this stuff in Washington. What's going on? You know what I mean? And he did just yeah. signed that magnanimous contract. One guy, I'm glad living up to this. I'm glad this is an hour long. I don't care. I love this. This is great because I don't get enough sports talk in my life anyway. So. Um, on the podcast, but with, um, with Lindor, he's finally earning that contract. I think he did last year also, but he's finally like, he beat out of Jose Reyes for the most RBIs in a single season. I mean, he's doing things in, in Queens. He is. And I'm glad because when he first came from Cleveland, I, I was disappointed. I was a huge Lindor fan. And then to see him just perform horribly, I thought he wasn't able to handle New York. And that whole thing when they started giving the thumbs down to the fans, you can't like you could do that in Cleveland maybe, but not in New York, you know. That was and that, that was, was not even him. Bad. That was Javi Baez, and I don't know what he came in on the high horse for. I mean, he was just on a team that was dis- dismantling, and he thought he was the, the shit, you know. Anyway, as as a ball player yourself, though, do you take in what these guys do? Do you study them to better your own performance? Oh, absolutely. Um, I've been talking a lot about this clip of Luis Arias from Minnesota right now, right? And he's the batting champ as of right now, just flat out can hit. And I watched him maybe a million times as a, like a bird's eye view of him in the box. And it's just so amazing to analyze because you see an inside pitch coming in on, on like black and he's able to keep his hands so tight, close to his body, get barrel on the baseball. And this is the part that I've been talking about is that he doesn't even get full extension. Like, he gets here and kind of just a little bit and then stays through the ball. He knows smoke. So to see him put, I don't want to say like a different swing, but it's not even the ideal swing. Every time you talk about an ideal swing, you want to get to the spot quick, extend through it. And to me, it was making me think, it's like maybe you don't need to do that on every swing. Like, every pitch is different. not going to have the same swing on every pitch. Mm. So to maybe do kind of tweaks and to think that he's doing that on a 95 mile power fastball, let's say, and to be able to understand that maybe if I extend out, I'm probably going to get beat to the spot. You know, my hands might be late there, so I'm able to keep the barrel tight and close. And then when I get there, I could explode with what I'm giving. You know, it's not going to be a home run, but it doesn't have to be when you're hitting 340, right? What is he? 335? But mechanics are everything. I mean, you have to adjust your swing almost every at bat, every I'm sure every pitch you're trying to adjust your at-bat a little bit, not just – and this is the problem. I mean, the shift is what it is, but why are these guys not adjusting? I mean, that's my big question to me. It's like, why aren't you going inside and out if you could? Now, I can't hit a 99-mile-an-hour baseball for my life, but I know enough about baseball to know that you can adjust your swing just a bit, and it's just tempting to always pull it. And I found as a hitter, I am a pull hitter. Like, I did swings – how many months ago, a couple of months ago. And I was like, Oh shoot, I'm pulling the ball too much. You know, like I know, Oh, it was even adaptive softball. I got in the way, you know, they play in a wheelchair. You should come out. Wheelchair softball is quite an experience on uh, Monday nights. You got to check this out. I'll send you info if you want, but I got in the chair and even though I was, I was not standing, sitting down, I noticed, Hey, I'm pulling the ball too much. I got to work on my own swing, you know? So that happens. You realize it when you're in the box, but they keep doing it. So I don't know if they realize it, if they think they're, as you say, they're too much of the shit, you know, to, to adjust themselves. Oh, we'll work this out. 
No, you're grounding out to like right field because you're hitting the shift. There's got to be some mechanics. I appreciate those who hit the cage every minute as you do. I'm sure you do that too. Like you're in the cage. And this leads me to my next question, off-season regimen. What's that going to be like for you? Like what, what do you do? Uh, definitely a lot of working out. Um, I was thinking about getting a lot of sprinting work into, you know, increasing speed, keeping my legs healthy, just staying healthy, as healthy as I can, and try to incorporate a lot more throwing as well. My arm has felt great all season, so um, I kind of don't want to, you know, how some players will take a month off or something. I think Trevor Bauer said it. He said if, if your arm, if you want to increase velo or increase arm strength, throw every day. Find a way to throw every day. And I know a couple guys like that. But I also know on the other side where guys will take, like, the offseason off from throwing or maybe throw, like, once or twice a week. Um, I just want to stay – as much around the game as possible. So I have one of my high school buddies that I still hit the field with. And we're, we're talking about since the seasons are coming to an end, trying to hit the field as much as we can. All right. You talk about speed. I got to ask you one more thing, because obviously everybody kind of judges him for being the way he is, but Vogelback can run and everybody on TV is like, you know, why are they dissing him? Of course he can run. He's an athlete. And it is remarkable to see him though. Come on now. That is fascinating. It is. I love it because it shows that he's playing the game hard despite, for example, uh, Williams Acevedo from Minnesota, that's our two guy, right? When he, he, they, the clip went viral of him, I think it was scoring from first or hitting a triple or something. And he's like, I just want to show that us big boys can run too. Mm-hmm. And I just love it because that goes back to one of my favorite players, Prince Fielder. You remember? Yeah. And, and he could run. He, he like that doubles, I think, and stuff like that. He had triples because Milwaukee had those funky walls. And he would he would park it off the wall all the time, take those hops, and you see him busting it for a triple. And I love that because it shows that he's playing the game hard. He's like, yeah, I'm big. I can stand up for a double, but I want to go for a triple. Put your team in a better position too, you know? And um, I just love it because it shows it's like he's more than a one-dimensional player. He's not just going to sit and spin on, on, uh, on home runs. But he's going to try and, you know, like got a double, they got a triple, score from second on a gapper, stuff like that. It's, it's, it's great to see. I love it. All right. I said that was one last question, but I've got like tons more. So let's keep going with this. Um, yeah. Same usual league. Obviously, you guys are the winners, but I, you have a very good relationship with a lot of people within the league. And of course, Sal D'Ambrosio's kind of called it quits with Selden, which is kind of sad because he's been there for many years. I think that's what I saw on Facebook the other day. But um, what's your message to other standing regional leaguers that want to play to win this this chip every year? Uh, biggest thing is, is getting a group of guys that show up to the field, you know? When you get depth on that roster, depth on, on game days, good things will happen, you know? Enough guys will, will help you because you can't win a game if you only got seven guys showing up, you know? Mm-hmm. But... I mean, for the most part, that was, it was only a couple of times we faced that problem where we had to wait for some of the guys on the other team. But other than that, it's just keep playing. You know, don't don't take it for granted, even if it's a men's league. Just have fun with everybody. Hey, no thing. matter when you – no matter what, a starting nine is a starting nine, and being that lineup every day, in my view, at whatever level, is an honor, is it not? To be in the starting line? Yeah, starting in the starting nine is always an honor, no matter what level. Oh yeah, it's it, it always feels good to see a name on that that lineup list, you know, and because uh, you know it's cool because you know you're like, all right, cool, I'm gonna get in that bet, you know, and then mm-hmm. you come through and you cash in. And the biggest thing is just to always always forget about your last at bat because once you bring one at bat into another, even if it was all right, I smoked a double my last at bat, I'm gonna do it again, and then you ground out. It's like, oh, I did it now. And now it just could be a slippery slope. So I'm going to save that clip and send it to the Yankees. I will do that because I feel like they need to hear that. Don't think about your last at bat at this point. Hey, baby Kane Ruiz, I've got to ask you about her because she's, uh, the, the you know, following my Instagram. And I'm like, who's baby Kane Ruiz? What is this? Oh, that's that's my mom. Yeah, she's baby uh-huh. Kane. Cause, uh, that's been her email since since probably I was like three, I think, four years old. And it's funny because she's actually looking at me now. But yeah, she uh, she had an email, uh, Baby Kane, and um, she just kind of kept with it, stuck with it. I think when she opened up Instagram, it kind of gave her like one of those names, and uh, she just 
stuck with it. So yeah, that's that's my are mom supporting. Are you are you a sibling? How many siblings you got? So I have a brother and sister uh, on my father's side. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they 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 never got into baseball like I did. My sister, she uh, she kind of just was very studious, and my brother just wasn't really into sports. But um, but no, they definitely come to some games before and stuff like that. Check me out. So it's cool. Now, have Long Island Devil Rays ever traveled outside of Long Island? Like, have you guys done tournaments outside? So we have. I was not a part of it. I was actually at Mercy when we um, went down to Florida the first So they had gone down to Florida. I don't remember for which tournament, but um, ironically enough, one of the players that they recruited in Florida, this kid, Omar Ortiz, uh, I actually got the opportunity to play with him in California. We played in the California Winter League together. And he was really cool. We're looking, we're looking to maybe play with him again if we go down to Florida. Yeah, he was just well, a switch hitting catcher. Oh wow, players. that that that's a good catch right there, switch hitting catcher. I mean, that's Posada level right there. Um, all right, dude, Kane, thanks so much for joining today, and uh, we'll post this up in the next few days. So keep me posted on what other updates you got, and hey, maybe I'll catch you at another Yankee game. That'd be great. And um, all right. definitely come out to adaptive softball. I think that'll change your world a little bit. I, I think that anybody who's able-bodied playing sports will be changed when they see people like still doing it, even in a wheelchair. I think that, and I often impart that to Queens College. I said, you guys should come out because, you know, especially in, in the college world, they get all kind of like, I hate to say entitled, but they sort of feel like, oh, I'm, I'm on this, I'm on that. You know what? You're that, but you're also a human. And I think to connect on a human level is very important. Of course, no, 100%. Yeah, it's especially it's such a great game. Everybody should play it, you know? Absolutely. All right, man. Kane, I will talk to you soon, and uh, thanks for doing this today on the Sports Hour. Boy, thank you for having me, Alex. I appreciate it. You got it. I'm Alex Garrett. This has been the Sports Edition of Alex Garrett Podcasting, and we'll talk to you soon.